Hey church, this is Pastor Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today here on FC Radio. I hope this message encourages you in your walk of faith and helps you to become a better follower of Jesus. Check out our website at www.ferncreekcc.org and let us know how we can be praying for you. Here's the message. Well, hey, good morning. How are you? We survived an election. (laughs) We did. (laughs) You're here. Again, I I just want to direct your thoughts back to last week's message. God is still on the throne. We we, we live in a very divided country. And, And I think the prayer moving forward is that God would somehow call us together, again, not to government, not to science, not to education, not that any of those are bad, but that he would come call us together in, in revival, that, that, that somehow we would left, right, you know, white, black, whatever divides us, that, that, that the thing that unites us would be Jesus Christ, and that's, friends, that's our only hope. And, and so why don't, we, why don't we, before we get into the message, why don't we pray one more time and, and kind of continue that prayer of God, call us to be people who pursue you, no matter what happens. So let me pray for us, and then let's jump into our message today. God, we, we watched as a nation voted, we've watched as, as people are still divided over, over this and that, and uh, but God, you are still on the throne, and, and you are still in control, and you have a plan that no one can thwart. And, and so God, what, whatever is going to happen in the grand scheme of things is going to be because you've allowed it to happen. And, and God, when the day comes when you want to humble our nation, when the day comes when you want to bless our nation, when the day comes when uh, you want to come back, God, that's, that's going to happen. And and so I just pray that you would remind us that our chief goal, the chief flag that flies higher than any other flag is your your banner, your kingdom. And so God, we pray for our nation. We pray that in the midst of all the fracture and all the division, that you would unite us in Jesus Christ. That's our prayer in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, one Sunday, uh, a pastor stood in front of his little church, and uh, he told the congregation that, that the church was going through some financial difficulty, that, uh, that the offerings had kind of you know, plummeted, and, and, and he said the church needed a little uh, extra boost, and so he said, when the offering plates are passed, I'll make you a deal. Whoever puts in the most can pick out any three hymns. And so they did the offering, and uh, an usher came running down, right? Like, right after that, he whispered into the preacher's ear, and the preacher said, friends, it's a miracle. A miracle has taken place today. Someone has put a $1,000 bill in the offering plate. And he said, I would like to thank and recognize whoever did that. Who, who did that today? And way in the back, a little elderly saint of the church, little lady who, you know, really raised her hand. He said, sister, you come on down here. And she took her cane out and she walked down and he brought her up on the platform and thanked her. Thank you for your generosity. And the church clapped and, and, and he said, okay, you can have a seat. She said, well, wait, 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 wait. She said, what about the hymns? 
He said, oh, yes, of course. Sister, you go ahead. You pick out any three hymns you want. And so she stood and looked at the congregation, and she found the three most handsome men in the church and said, I'll take him, him, and him. <laughs> little confused, little confused, right? Today, we launch a three-week series Talking about stewardship, talking about finances, and I want to make sure from the get-go that as we do this that there's no confusion. Anytime a preacher preaches on money, there's lots of different reactions, and I know that I'm kind of feeling them right now. Some people roll their eyes and say, here we go. Hey, I knew it. All the church talks about money, 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 money. Reach in those jeans and pull out those greens. That's what's coming, right? Some people silently sigh and say, no, I've been praying for my neighbor for 30 years to come to church and they finally agreed to come today with me and you're preaching on money? Smack me in the head with the cheese grater, right? Well, let me make you a promise. Let me make you a promise. It's going to be okay. Going to be okay. The church is not in any financial trouble. The plates will not be passed multiple times. As a matter of fact... I want to thank you. you. You have been such a generous, generous people. During a worldwide pandemic, even when we couldn't meet for several months, man, our giving is up 2% over last year. And, and I just want you to know, we we could have never planted the seeds that have been planted in this community without your faithful generosity. So I just want to tell you thanks. Thanks for being a generous people, for your tithes, for your offerings, and let's finish the year out strong. I have no desire to guilt you into reaching in your jeans and pulling out your greens, right? I really don't want anything from you. What this series is about is I want something for you. I want something for you. You know, money is one of the top three reasons why marriages end in divorce. Did you know that? One of the top three reasons people leave their spouse is, 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 is financially related. 69% of Americans, let this soak, 69, almost 7 out of 10 Americans have less than $1,000 in their savings. 49% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 75% of renters, now this one, this one broke my heart the most. 75% of renters between the ages of 18 and 24, so our younger generation, 75% of 18 to 24 year olds who are renting are spending more each month than what they make each month. They are going deeper and deeper and deeper into the hole. And as Christians, when we come to church, we're, we're taught a lot. We're taught how to pray. We're taught how to serve. We're taught how to study. But very, very few of us are taught in church about how a Christian is to handle their money. And that's really a shame, right? Because if we can't talk about that here, where can we talk about it? Matt read a passage for you this morning. And I want to take out of the passage that he, he read. We didn't, he didn't know I was going to have this in my sermon, so I think it's kind of interesting that maybe the Lord wants you and I to hear this. There was a line in what he read that I want to remind you. This is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 11. Jesus said these words. 
if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Now let that soak. I didn't say that. That's not my opinion. That, that's the words of Jesus. Jesus said if, if you can't handle your income and your physical riches here, how do you handle the true blessings, the true spiritual blessings, right? We're calling this series, this financial series, Balanced. And it's very uh, appropriate. And I'm going to tell you the reason why. The idea is... I don't believe you will ever truly experience biblical balance in your finances until you understand that there are two laws of balance. When you understand the laws of balance, physical balance, and you apply those to financial balance, they really are the same, right? Now, when I think of balance, I think of cheerleaders, cheerleaders. If you are a current or a former cheerleader, would you give me some spirit fingers, anybody out there? Oh, oh, I see those spirit fingers. Yeah, yeah, I know all about spirit fingers. I was a cheer dad. I was a cheer dad for many, many years of my life with our two girls. Anybody ever been to a cheer competition? Anybody? You're, okay. I don't believe in purgatory. But if there were such a thing, it would be full of millions of fifth or sixth grade cheerleader demons who would chant nonstop, we're going to dip and dive, we're going to slip and slide, we're going to split that V and dot that I, V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. I'm still in therapy for that. Okay. Now, now, cheerleaders are awesome, but, but some of the squads are crazy. I mean, some of the squads are into that flipping and somersaulting and throwing the girl up 30 stories in the air and trying to catch her when she lands. And the thing that impresses me most about about cheerleaders, are the, is, is the girl who can, who can stand on one foot six feet off the ground in nothing but someone else's hand. And there she is on one leg being hoisted up by two or three other people as she's standing there on one leg in a hand, totally balanced, not wobbling at all, and just a perfect smile on her face. Friends, I have trouble standing on two feet in my balance on the ground. That amazes me. And what cheerleaders or what ballerinas or what gymnasts all learn at an early age is in order to keep your physical balance, there are some laws that you've got to abide by. And again, I'm just telling you, those physical laws correlate to the financial balance in our life. And there's just two of them. There's just, that's the next three weeks, we're going to explore the two laws of balance. The first law is a fixed point of reference. You want to keep balanced, you've got to have a fixed point of reference. They tell the girl who's standing on somebody's hand, when you're up there, find a point of reference. Find a spot somewhere and keep your eyes fixed on that thing that doesn't move. You can't look to the left, you can't look to the right. You have got to focus and stare at a fixed point of reference. That's one way you keep your balance. So a fixed point of reference. The second law of balance is constant corrections. The people that are holding her have got to make constant corrections, little minor changes. They can't just stay rigid. 
Because if they just stay rigid, man, and they don't move with her, that she's not going to be able to keep her balance. So th- those are the two laws that we're going to unpack. A fixed point of reference and then constant corrections. Man, I'm just telling you, any financial difficulty you're having is probably because one of those two laws have been broken. You keep those laws, I think you maintain your balance. So that's where we're going. And I'm just going to encourage you. This is going to be a, this is really going to be a great series, no matter how old you are. But I would really love our young people to hear this because they're not going to hear it anywhere else. So if you've got a son or a daughter, you've got grandkids, this is going to be an awesome series for them to learn some of the great lessons at an early, early age. But let's unpack the first law, fixed point of reference. You've got to have a fixed point of reference. That's the first law. I, I want you to do me a favor. Do you trust me? Well, that really hurts. Do you trust me? Okay, thank, that makes me feel a little better. I want you to stand up. Would you just stand up? Just everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Now, on the count of three, here's what I want you to do. On the count of three, I'm going to have you close your eyes. I'm going to have you turn your body and point to the direction that you believe is southwest. Okay, so on the count of three, you're going to close your eyes, you're going to turn, and if you think it's that way, you're going to turn and point that way. If you think it's that way, you're going to turn around, and you're going to point that way. I want you to keep your eyes closed on the count of three, turn and point to southwest. You ready? One, two, three. Turn and point, turn and point, turn and point, turn and point. Ooh, turn and point. Okay, everybody open your eyes. All right, all right, all right. Have a seat, have a seat. Very nice, very nice. It was really funny. I saw some people pointing that way. I saw some people pointing that way. I even saw one guy doing this. <laughs> I, I don't know, right, which way it is. Um, how, do we, how do we know, how do we know, how can we know which way is southwest? A compass, compass. A compass would be a reliable point of reference. So my compass is open, and I'm gonna show you, based upon my compass, which way is southwest. That way right there. Who was right? Let me see your hands, who was right? All right, those are our directionally blessed people, right? So, so when we talk about, when we talk, yeah, if you were pointing that way or that way or that way, I'm not following you home, all right? What we're talking about is if you want to look at a point of reference, you got to, first of all, it's got to be trustworthy. The thing that you're looking at has got to be solid. And, and what we learn in the scriptures as we talk about this fixed point of reference is the Bible becomes our fixed point of reference. Look at Psalm 33, 4. For the word of the Lord is what? Tell me. Right and true. The word of God is right and true. It is a trustworthy point of reference. Or how about Matthew 7, 24, the words of Jesus. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus said, my words are trustworthy to build your entire life on. So if you're a follower of Jesus, man, your compass your north star, your reference point is the Bible. The Bible's not just a book, it's the book. 
And when you think about the Bible, it's right in everything. We can trust it in how to strengthen our marriage. We can trust it when it tells us how to receive grace. We trust it when it teaches us about God. And we can trust it as our reference point for all things financial. When you think about what God's word has to say about our finances, it's brilliant because it's trustworthy and true. Listen to what the Bible says about just some of the things financial. Debt can ruin your life. Boy, isn't that true? Or how about this one? Don't spend everything you make. Create some margin. Boy, that's right on. Generosity is a key to blessing. Financial freedom doesn't come overnight. Man, we, we keep financial balance when we lock our eyes and we make little corrections based upon what the scripture tells us. And, and Jesus unpacked some great truth about all things financial. Jesus talked about finances a lot more than he talked about prayer. I mean, I mean Jesus had a lot to say. And what I want to do this morning is I want to take one of his parables about, about, about money. And I want to show you that, again, this is one of those things that is a fixed point of reference. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to unpack the parable of the talents. And, and boy, I think Jesus nails it. Again, it's this fixed point of reference. There's some pretty important things to unpack here. So look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, the parable of the talents. Jesus starts off uh, by telling a story. He says this. Uh, he talks about the kingdom of God. He says, it's going to be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. So, so I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to, <laughs> I was hoping we, we paid the electric bill. I was like, oh, maybe we didn't. <laughs> I, I, want you to, <laughs> I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to tell them whose stuff, whose stuff is being left behind, the owners or the servants? Whose stuff is it that's being left to, to manage? Yeah, yeah, the owner's stuff, right? I mean, the owner is, uh, the, the, the servants, none of it belongs to them. They are being asked to manage what belongs to the master. And this is 80% of it. You get this thing right, man, you, you've got a fixed point of reference that is solid. Here, here's the first principle. God owns it all. That's where you got to start. God owns it all, not just 10% of it. He owns all of it, right? You get that one thing right, and man, you, you, you're going you're gonna to have a good shot of keeping financially balanced. You get that one wrong, and man, your financial condition, I think, is going to be shaky. We are managers, not owners. So I want you to turn to your neighbor. I want you to poke them and say, God owns it all. Tell them, God owns it all. Yeah, God owns it all. The Bible, the Bible, again, our point of reference, the Bible talks about this all over the place. Look at Haggai chapter 2, verse 8. The silver is mine. This is God speaking. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Look at Job 41, 11. God says, who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. So, so listen, over and over and over again, the Bible says God owns it all. God owns it all. God owns it all, right? God even owns my body. God owns me. 
God owns me, right? My body was bought, I was, I was bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. So my body's not even my own. And, and so this is a hard concept for many, many people to embrace is that God owns it all. But it's true, it's true. And if you're tempted to think that you're an owner, remember, we've talked about this a lot. If you're ever tempted to think you're an owner, picture the day you die. <laughs> you don't own a thing. When you die, do you understand what's going to happen to your stuff? Your kids are going to come over, and they're going to go through your stuff. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to take all the good stuff. They're going to take your car. They're going to take your electronics. They're going to take that grandfather clock. They're going to take all the stuff that you thought was yours, and they're going to now think it's theirs. And all the stuff they don't want, where is it going? <laughs> Yard sale or Goodwill, right? So, so, so again... Nothing belongs to me. I, I came into the world with nothing. You came into the world with nothing. We will leave it with nothing, right? We don't own a thing. What's cool is, again, God says, I own it all. It all belongs to me. What God says is, I'm going I'm to give you some stuff. It all belongs to me, but I'm going to give you some stuff. I'm going to lend you some things. I'm going to have you manage some things for me. Because when you die, it all comes back, right? It all comes back to me. It all comes back to the kingdom, right? But I want you to care. I want you to manage. I want you to invest, invest. So principle number one is we, you know, G Jesus said this man was going on a journey, and he lent to his servants all that he had. So, so God owns it all. Managing is the call. That, 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 as we read this story, that's the first thing I want you to get out of it. Here's the second thing I want you to learn from this story we don't compare buckets. God owns it all, and we don't compare buckets. Look at verse 15. Look at the next verse. So this guy's going to go away. He's going to take all that he has, and he's going to lend it to these guys to, to, to watch over. Verse 15. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his what? Oh, now this is huge. He gave five, he gave two, he gave one, each according to his own ability, then he went on his journey. Now here's what I find fascinating. Did you realize the master didn't give out equal amounts? Mm-mm. That's not how he did it. They all got different amounts based upon what? Their ability. What I want you to understand is this is no mamby-pamby, sissy, politically correct culture Bible that we read. That's not what happens. Servant number three didn't go to the master saying, it's not fair. You only gave me one talent. You gave him five talents, and that's not fair. You must not like me. You've triggered me, and I need a safe zone. <laughs> and the committee wasn't, you know, the community wasn't called in to say, oh, no, that's not fair. That's not right. If there are eight talents, we need to figure out how every boy can get a trophy. So here's what we'll do. We'll take the eight talents, we'll divide it by the three boys, and every boy will get 2.6666 talents. And Jesus sat down and wept, right? No, that's not, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says they were given different amounts based upon their abilities. And no servant moaned, no servant complained, no servant threw a fit, that they didn't get equally. And, and this is a huge, huge lesson. And here's the lesson. God loves us equally. 
He loves us equally, but we're all not created the same. He, he loves us equally, but we're different. We're different sizes. We have different IQs. We all can't sing like Matt Zola. We all don't have beautiful bald heads. Just saying. You know this. In the game of life, life's not fair. In the, in the game of life, some people start with more pieces than others. In the game of life, some people will accumulate less than others. And life might not be fair. But here's what I want you to understand. God has given every single one of us a bucket. No matter how big or how small, you have been given a bucket by God. Now what does the bucket represent? Well, the bucket represents everything in your life. The bucket would represent your job. The bucket would represent your house. The bucket would represent your car, your time, your talents, your treasures. The bucket includes your nationality. The bucket includes the amount of time you have to live in your life. Every one of us has been given a bucket. And I don't know about you, but when I think about what God has given me, the bucket that God has given me, I say to God, God, this is so nice. Thank you for my bucket. God, my bucket is yellow. My bucket has a white handle. It's pretty cool. God, God, thank you. I want to honor you. I want to honor you. It's your bucket. You've just let me borrow it. You've just let me use it. So God, I want to use this bucket for your glory. And I want to thank you for it. God, thanks for my bucket. And that goes really, really well for a lot of us. Until... <laughs> until we see this. We see someone else with a bigger bucket. And then we take a look at our bucket and we go, well, now, wait a minute. Now, God, I like my bucket, but Susie's bucket's green, and green's my favorite color. God, I, I really love the car that you've loaned to me, the car that's yours, that belongs to you, I, but Susie's car has a heated steering wheel. And God, I love the 60-inch TV that we have, but Bob's has smell-o-vision. Ooh, what a feature. And we begin to compare buckets. And we begin to look at our bucket and other people's buckets, and did, did you know comparison kills? Did you know that? When you and I begin to compare, comparison kills. And, and you know that to be true. When you begin to compare what you have with someone else, it, it kills. I, I mean, the biggest thing about Facebook that I don't like is the comparison game. You know how Facebook works. Everybody posts their best pictures on Facebook. Right? All the filter. It's all filter. It's all smoke and mirrors. You know, the family picture that people will, will post on Christmas, there they all are. Matching sweaters, laughing, they're sitting around a fireplace. Everyone's hair is perfect. Everyone's teeth is perfect. It's like, like a picture out of, out of Life magazine. And there's the husband leading a Bible study, and all the children have their hands folded, smiling, lis listening intently, right? And I'm like, it's all fake. 
It's all fake. Where, where are the real pictures? Where's the normal pictures of the kitchen looking like a tornado went through? Where are the pictures of the kids laying on the floor screaming, kicking one another, while dad has a fork scratching his back? Where, where are those pictures, right? Because everybody wants to put forward their, their, their best shot, right? I, I've, watched, I've watched my daughters with this. Do you know how many pictures my daughters take when they do a selfie? It's like 73 pictures, because there's gotta be just the right one, with just the right angle, with just the right lighting. And I'm like, I don't understand that. When we compare, when we compare, man, it does nothing but call us to, uh, to feel depressed about ourselves when I compare with other people. So, so, so when I compare, when I compare, I, I, I end up losing. Now, now here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. Here's what, here's what, here's what this, <laughs> who, who should I be comparing with? Well, when I compare my bucket to maybe my neighbor's bucket, I might come up short. But I'm gonna ask you this, why aren't we comparing our bucket to the rest of the world? When you compare your bucket to the rest of the world, you don't have this kind of bucket when you compare yourself to the rest of the world. That's your bucket. No, 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 that's not your bucket. That's not your bucket. Here's the bucket. If you made over $50,000 last year, you're in the top 1% of income earners on this planet. Did you know that? You made over $50,000, you are in the top 1% of the world's income earners. If you have a car, if you have one car, if you own one car, you're in the top 10% of the world's wealthiest. Man, if you didn't go to bed hungry, if you slept in a bed, if you have access to clean drinking water, if you have access to medicine, if you can worship freely, if you can worship freely without the threat of persecution, man, you've got it better than, than millions and millions and millions and millions of people around the planet. And if you can read, if you can vote, if you've been saved by grace, this, this is the bucket that you and I own. And maybe, maybe we just need to get on our knees at some point today and say, God, I, I whine and I complain and I mope thinking that you know, I, I love my life, but it's, it's not like, God, in reality, you, you've blessed. And so God, you know, Father, forgive me for comparing buckets. So when you look at, at management principles, if you and I truly are managers, God owns it all, managing's the call, that's what we gotta focus on, but a good manager won't compare buckets. A good manager will take his bucket and say, God, thank you for what you've given. So, so that's, that, that's huge. J Jesus is gonna continue in, in this story. The other, I guess the last point would be a, a good manager multiplies his buckets. So God, a good manager understands, it's not mine, it's his. A good manager is going to say, I'm not going to compare buckets, and a good manager is going to work very, very hard to multiply his buckets. So Jesus says, the man gave you know, five to one, you know, two to one, one to one, and then he, he went away. And then G, Jesus says, the man, the man came back, and it was time for the report, like what, how did you manage? What did you, what did you do? And, and, and the guy who had been given five talents came back and said, Master, you entrusted me with five. Here's what I've done since you've been gone. I, 
I earned you five more. And then the guy who was given two, the, guy, the two talent guy, the guy who was given two talents came and said, Master, you gave me two talents. Thank you. I worked really hard and I hear two more. And then you remember the third guy. The third guy said, Master, you're a harsh man and I, I was afraid. And so I took your one talent, I buried it, but here it is. Here's your one talent back. Now, now I, a lot to unpack real quick. One thing I want you to understand uh, about God is he blessed the five-talent guy and the two-talent guy the same way. When you read the story, the guy who was given five talents was blessed exactly the same way that the guy with two talents was given. So that tells you a lot about God, and what it tells you is and it doesn't matter how much you've been given, God just God wants you to do something with it. Doesn't matter to God if you have a job making $100,000 or $10,000, what do you do with what you have? Doesn't matter to God if you're the lunch lady or the first lady, what are you doing with what you have? And I guess this is the bottom line, the size of your bucket doesn't matter. God will always give you everything you need to accomplish everything he's called you to do. He will give you everything you need to accomplish everything he's called you to do. So instead of whining and complaining, well, God, I didn't get a bigger bucket. If I had a bigger, no, no, no. <clears throat> the two-bucket guy said, God, I was faith here, here too. You gave me two little buckets. I made you two more little buckets. Well done, good and faithful servant. The guy who was given, you know, five talents. God, you gave me five big buckets. I made you five big ones back. They got the same reward. They got the same praise. God wasn't any more impressed with the five-bucket guy than he was with the two-bucket guy because they used what they had to glorify and to advance his kingdom. So that tells you a lot about God. Where the wheels fall off was the guy who didn't do anything to advance the kingdom. The guy who was afraid. The guy who was fearful. The guy who cared more more about his kingdom than his master's kingdom. That was the guy where Jesus said, tie that worthless servant up. Throw him outside where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. He says to the guy, you didn't even put my money in a savings account at the bank to at least draw interest. You you failed. And, And so again, it's all about multiplying our buckets for the glory of God. The master is on his way back. Man, he is one day closer to returning than he was yesterday. And as you look around, man, don't you see the signs of the times? Man, they whisper, someone is coming. Someone is coming. And if you and I want to stay balanced, if you and I want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, man, we got to keep our eyes on a fixed point of reference. And that fixed point of reference tells us that we are not owners. We are managers. God owns it all. Managing is the call. I've got to switch my mentality from owner to manager. And I've got to stop comparing buckets. If I'm going to be a good manager, I stop comparing buckets. I'm thankful for my bucket, and then I multiply buckets. I multiply buckets. If I've been given a little bucket, I want to multiply that little bucket. If I've been given a big bucket, I want to multiply that big bucket. Because when the master comes back, I want him to see that I have managed well. Let's pray.